room in hell. The dead will walk here. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Thanks for tuning in to Body Count, the podcast for theblackesteyes.com. My name is Philip. On the line with me here is Scott and Danny. And we are friends, and we love horror movies, and we're going to talk about one tonight. We are glad that you have joined us, so uh, kick back and enjoy the next few minutes as we talk about a 2015 film called The Invitation. Uh, The Invitation premiered on March 13th, 2015 at the... Which film festival? Somebody said South by Southwest. South by Southwest, thanks. And then mm-hmm. it was released on April 8th, 2016, uh, in a limited release in theaters, apparently. Um, but most of us saw it on demand, or um, I just watched it a few weeks ago. Scott, you saw it a few months ago. Uh, I think we all liked it, so we want to talk about it. So who wants to just run down a very general synopsis of the film? Scott, why, why don't you do that? Uh, just sort of a plot synopsis. How yeah. much of a you, were we giving away spoilers today? I think probably, most likely, probably so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the 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 movie, the invitation starts out with um, Will and his girlfriend uh, driving in a car to a party. They have an invitation uh, to meet with Will's ex-wife and her new man. I guess her new husband and some of their old friends whom they haven't seen in a while. And while they're on their way up, they hit a coyote. So there's a little bit of foreshadowing. He, he, he gets out of his car and and for me, it was kind of an unsettling moment where he kills the coyote with the tire iron and they, but when they get to the house, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful house. This is in Southern California, somewhere in Los Angeles area. And uh, they're meeting up with most of their old friends. And Will is very – this is the house he used to live in. But he and his wife, his wife Eden, broke up apparently because they had a son who had died tragically. And in their grief, the marriage fell apart as well. Um, So now here they are again in the same place with some of their old friends. And uh, he feels very uncomfortable the whole time. He doesn't quite know why he's there or what's going on. There are. Uh, it, it starts out. It reminds me of kind of like. Um, is it the big chill where it's like these thirty-somethings that are kind of together and they went to college together? Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. And uh, so they're 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 being nostalgic. They're telling old old jokes. They're. Uh, but throughout the evening, these little odd things happen. These very strange little things. Things like Eden's new husband. Uh, locks the front door and it just strikes Will as off. And finally, uh, to just sum it up, finally uh, he assumes that there being that there's some great danger here, and he he knocks the 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 drinks out of people's hands, and it turns out that that they were being poisoned, and that what was Eden's husband's name? I can't I can't think of his name. David. David. Yeah. Yeah, Eden and David seem to have invited all their old friends here in order to have some kind of mass suicide or mass murder, I suppose, sort of like a Jonestown kind of thing. It turns out that they've been involved in some sort of cult in Mexico, and uh, in any case, the the frivolity ensues from there. Yeah, so thumbs up, thumbs down. I think we all probably give it thumbs up, right? I mean, Scott, you enjoyed the film. Yeah, I really did. I, um, you know, when I watched it the first time, I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't read anything about it, literally nothing, and I was just thumbing through the, uh, flipping through the, sh- you know, the shows on. I don't remember it was on video on demand or something, and I read the synopsis and thought, you know, I'll give this a shot, and I really, really enjoyed it. It got me. It hooked me in. It had just enough suspense, but it wasn't sort of an over-the-top sort of action-packed movie. I even kind of would say that, yes, it's a horror film, but it's it, it's you know maybe seventy percent drama, twenty percent thriller, ten percent actual maybe what I would call horror, hardcore horror. Um, but yeah, I give it a big thumbs up. What about you, Danny? Yeah, I found the film incredibly effective and disturbing. Um, even though Scott had recommended it as a horror film, 
I did go in pretty cold. I didn't read anything about it. And, uh, and I was, you know, about halfway through the movie. I'm like, did I watch the wrong movie? Cause there's like three films called the invitation. I'm like, this might not be the right movie. And then of course, uh, well, there was one friend missing, which is something that was, that was supposed to be there. The boyfriend of one of the characters. Uh, so that's already got a little suspicion going that something was bad, bad was going to happen. But, um, Everything kicks in. The ending is very horrific, uh, um, including a almost apocalyptic final twist at the end, which is uh, I don't know. That's I really I'm, I can't wait till we get to talk about that part because that's something I found really intriguing as to what was going on at the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we just but yeah, I really it, liked it from from the beginning. Uh, you had mentioned Scott that on their way. Um, they hit a coyote, he gets out, Will gets out, and ends up killing the coyote. And it's later described by David as a mercy killing. Um, either one of you just want to chime in. Why include that scene? How did that contribute to the film overall after you get through all of the chaos that ends up happening? And then you reflect back on that scene. What, what do you think uh, the filmmakers are trying to say there? Well, I think it's pretty obvious they... Uh it's almost too much hammering home the point of, uh, you know, how people need to, well, these, this group of people thinks people need to be relieved of their grief. And the only way to relieve them is death. I mean, it's a, it is a mercy killing of the coyote. And this whole film is about eventually the attempt at a mercy killing for these people that have suffered great grief. And also the friends who, I guess, have just suffered the grief that is life or they were at the party where the son had died. So I guess they shared in the grief because of that. Uh, I, I loved it at the beginning, but thinking back on it, it actually seems a little bit heavy handed to have opened with a scene like that. Yeah. I mean, I think it is obvious, but then, but then when you think about it, maybe again, it becomes maybe not quite as clear because the mercy killing of the coyote would in some ways tend to give credibility to what the cult was attempting to do, which is obviously not what the film is trying to say, definitely not what Will would agree with, uh, but yet he kills the coyote, and we all kind of nod in agreement there. So isn't, yeah, there, well, a little, isn't there a little bit of, of tension between the opening and what we actually find to be horrific later in the movie? I think it's only a disconnect if you're making that link between actual uh, life-threatening pain and grief. Right? Uh, as far as we know, you know, for most people, grief isn't fatal. I know we... You know, we say like old couples, when one of them passes away, the other one dies soon after of a broken heart or whatever. But in general, we we all survive grief. So they're making a very strong connection between grief and, you know, fatal injury, which uh, I don't I don't I don't know if I agree that that is a, a, a an accurate connection. What do you think? Scott? Well, I th- uh, yeah, I think that, uh, Danny, you said it best a minute ago when you said that we're all suffering from the grief that is life. And, you know, this is – it is a mercy to be released from, from, from life because the friends – yeah, all, I mean the friends who were all there, yeah, they appear to have been at this party where the boy died. Um, but, you know, why do they need to die? And, and I think that uh, Eden and David are, are in their mind because they're brain, being brainwashed. They, they think that this is a mercy, a mercy for their friend. But from – everybody else's perspective including the viewer we're not going to agree with that this isn't mercy at all this is just murder right oh yeah yeah i mean that's the horror of the whole thing it's a uh, it's 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 brutal i just, no, I will I, I just say find that it interesting I, I i i think maybe i'm seeing attention here where you guys are i it just seems like it the, the movie is trying to to say is there any reason why we should be sympathetic whatsoever to mm-hmm. these folks who are genuinely convinced? Well, we can actually we could debate that, I guess, that, that they are genuinely, con- genuinely convinced that what they are about to do is in the best interest of everyone. That's certainly the way I took it. I, I didn't take this as they're just trying to kill these folks uh, for mm. a jolly good time, but rather they think this is truly going to help them and relieve them and going to give them to a better place where there's a reunion and there's a coming together. And um, 
I feel like like the mercy killing of the coyote was some attempt to help us have some place in our heart to see the other side of the equation here when these people are so convinced that what they're mm-hmm. doing is the right thing because we were all nodding in agreement with what he did with the coyote, which goes on to, I think, suggest just how powerful religion faith is and how dangerous it can become because once you become convinced of those things and you believe you're acting out in the best interest of both yourself and others um at at what point do the desires of other trump what you believe is truly the best thing for them so uh, that that was kind of my take on that maybe that's reading too much into it i have a tendency to no no, I don't think you're reading. I don't think you're reading too much into it. I think that's a good analysis. So you're saying then that the that the there's a tension because it seems to be legitimating what Will and e, or what Eden and David do. Right. Even though we know it's not legitimate, but right. But right. from their perspective, it is. And sure. And it's like we're always looking back and reminding ourselves. We just agreed with this 45 minutes yeah. ago that there there is a time when it's it's merciful to take someone's life, but now we're fighting against that because we know in this instance it's not merciful. But yeah. David and Eden certainly believe that it is. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a why is Will right and why is David wrong? You know. Besides right. just just the obvious that you've got a coyote. As opposed to a group of humans, sure, yeah. <laughs> right? Unless unless we're on the conversation with Peta, and then that's not so yeah. obvious. <laughs> right, 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 right. The, yeah, the animal rights activists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sure. I was uh, almost in. I, mean, I was positive that this was going to go in a theological bent <laughs> tonight. Uh, <laughs> but before we get there, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking this had me thinking socio-political stuff the whole time. Uh, this reminds me a lot of the conversation we have about euthanasia. If if we allow people to legally uh, aid other people into a peaceful death uh, when they are suffering. Where do, how do we define that suffering? Where do we draw the line? Um, or does the person have to be like the Cody, you know, actually going to die and do it painfully and we can put them out of their, uh, their pain? Uh, but what if someone's just miserable in life? Is that enough that we're, we should be allowed to help them uh, uh, commit suicide and uh, euthanize them, themselves? Um, so in my mind, maybe it's because this is the kind of stuff I teach on a day-to-day basis. Um my mind immediately went to that to that political issue. Yeah, and there are two significant differences between the coyote and what happens. One is what Scott just said. We're obviously talking about the difference between an animal and a human. And number two is we're talking about the difference between someone who is an animal that is about to die, as you just mentioned, Danny, as opposed to extreme grief. Two, so two very different things, um, dealing with animals and humans, grief and uh, near death experience. So, before we move on to something else, can I just say how effective this film was at portraying that grief for yeah. all of them, even the characters that we don't end up liking and can't really relate to. Uh, even the crazy was his Pruitt, even Pruitt, who becomes mm-hmm. sort of the boogeyman in the film. Um, there, the grief is just so palpable in this movie. Like I, just, I found it really effective and disturbing to watch this movie uh, as and all, all of us have children uh, dealing with will and eden or well will's loss uh, yeah it's will and eden right that's the wife not the girlfriend yeah i don't the will and eden's loss uh just really hit home and i just i thought all of the actors did such a great job of of just showing that grief on their face and in their shoulders and the way they carried themselves um i, I really thought it was excellently acted and shot to really get us inside the grief of these people i i I love that you just said that because I think Logan Marshall Green, the guy who plays Will, mm-hmm. I, I thought he just acted just extremely well. His performance was so good. And just the look in his face, the tension in his face, uh, it was understated. Uh, the music, the, you know, did you, did you notice the music in this in this thing or the sound? Uh, it was just so understated and, and yet effective and a little haunting. 
So when they arrive at the house, they arrive at David and Eden's house. Uh, we don't see David yet. Um, or no, we don't see Eden yet, right? Now, who do we see first? Right. Um, she, I think she, doesn't she meet them at the door? She's already there, right? We don't see David yet. But there is just a little bit of this awkwardness. Uh, they haven't, the impression is that I got, they hadn't even seen the friends in a long time either, right? Like no one had seen each other mm. for quite a while. Yeah. Um, since their various um, tragedies had happened. And well, it seems like Eden had completely disappeared, but they, you know, Will and the friends may have exchanged phone calls or something. But they actually, Eden was what out of the country for a few years. Yeah, in Mexico. But in terms of being together in the same location, you know, face to face, it seems like they had, that had been a while. And um, you know, all of us to a degree know what this is like, don't we? When we, mm-hmm. we're put back into a situation where it's face to face. You kind of have to deal with it. You can't, you can't just text. You know, you can't send a Facebook message and get around some of that awkwardness. And I thought that scene was really well done. I kind of felt, I kind of wanted to go in a corner somewhere. You know, watching that scene because it's just so uncomfortable. And you just get the impression that Logan Marshall Green, the, who plays Will. He just doesn't know if he wants to be there or not, which makes it even mm. that much more difficult for him. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's he really doesn't want to be there. I, you know, I, I, that's the impression I get is that he he doesn't understand why they're there. Um, it's it's not clear that people are acting strange. There's um, bars on the windows now, and and the, just the little things that he starts to notice that he can't quite add up. But two or three times, he pulls someone aside and says, "There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. There's something not right." So he definitely gets the vibe that there's this isn't just a get together. And part of what's wrong for him is. He absolutely doesn't think in any way, shape, or form he should be over his son's death. Yeah, uh, there's an incredible disconnect between the way Eden and her new husband are acting and the way he feels. The, this is a man that's still carrying the grief he had from day one, it seems. Mm-hmm. Right, but but even he doesn't know that until a little bit later in the conversation. You know, it's just that first, even that first appearance. Um, it was just so awkward. And then David does come down the hall, and doesn't he doesn't he not only shake hands but kind of bring him in for a hug? Mm-hmm. Right. Which, which right. is just so, you know that that right there would make me just want to turn around and leave. I mean, come on, man, don't 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 bring me in for a hug. It's it's not like <laughs> we're real close here or anything. You know, you're you're dating or, or are they married at this point? David and the, uh, yeah, they're I married think, and, and, I think and, it's, so. and it's Eden's money, but I, I felt he came off as kind of this, you know, Zuckerberg character at right? this, you know, he was very hippie, wealthy, uh, sort of lording his home and uh, comfort over everyone else. I know there was, I, I found him immediately very schmarmy mm-hmm. and unlockable, like from the second he walks onto the screen. Well, and doesn't he at one point say that he was a, a music producer or something? So that kind of adds to that whole creepy factor, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have the same opinion Holly, about Hollywood, the studio, studio Hollywood, that you do. Right? right, right. A Hollywood music producer, you know, he, that's what he – because he's, you know, he's quick to have – he has cocaine, you know, as soon as someone mentions cocaine and just sort of the stereotype. Yeah, I, I – we can get to that scene in a minute. I found that that's one scene I did not care for. I thought that was ridiculous. But so anyway, throughout the evening, um, I'm trying to track here the plot. Where where are we now? Uh, he begins to have David or Will begins to kind of wander through the home, and yeah. as he sees old old rooms, this is where obviously him and Eden live with their son. And he begins to see things that are bringing flashbacks and, and reliving memories of. His son Ty, and um, including a see, he has a he kind of has a flashback of Eden trying to commit suicide, right? And he was, yeah, right. he was saving her life. Just unbelievably deep-rooted, painful, emotional kinds of things. And then 
but mixed in there, and just before the scene you're talking about, we meet Sadie, who yep. is nude on a bed, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. And she is a bizarre character, uh, and is our first real sign that there's something wrong in this house, right? Right. Because because the other things you could – matter of fact, I think a couple of the friends try to explain it away by saying, mm. hey, man, it's been a long time. you know. And there's been a lot happened, a lot of water under the bridge, a lot of grief. Of course it's going to be awkward. Of course it's going to be hard. Of course there's going to be these weird vibes. Um, but Sadie kind of takes that to the next level. you know. It's like, no, there's, there's more to this than just old friends getting together, and it's been a long time, and we don't know what to say to each other. Uh, there's something weird going on, and you, and you remember later, and I know we're gonna we're jumping around. That's okay, but later she's like, he sees her in a room, and, and she's making these weird faces. Yeah, she's looking in the mirror and making just uh, awful faces to herself. Yeah, what what was going on there? I mean, it's like she was pr- practicing how to react to things, like human emotion. I, I found that character kind of fascinating um, um, I think she fits in with like the you know what we get from the Manson family the I, I, I think they it tied them into the cult real real well you know the sort of the cult mentality but I did find <laughs> but it's, it's almost like she was how would a real human act here so she's making her faces in the mirror shock oh. yeah yeah, um, yeah I, I think it it had the effect of just making me feel disturbed well yeah yeah somehow <laughs> somehow she was uh, one of the most disturbing parts of the film yeah she seemed the well, most most damaged maybe by her grief like her grief had actually broken her do we ever hear what her story is or do we get any clues as to what her grief is i don't believe any at all i, I don't think so pruitt we hear pruitt's story but i don't think we hear hers but they all meet. Pruitt's story is amazing. Yeah. So in between these flashbacks of um, difficult times and grief, we begin to get some of the some of the gaps filled in as to what's happening here. And um, at one point, Will goes to do something. I can't remember what what he's going to do, and he sees Eden hiding a pill bottle in her bedroom window and so um or through her through the window he sees her hiding the pill bottle so he goes in to see uh what's going on and isn't this one of the places where he pulls somebody in because he 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 takes one of the pills right and he pulls somebody he checks it out yeah Yeah. and and it's like what what is this is this something you know that could hurt us or is lethal or whatever Um, but nobody's really seems to be taking him too seriously even though the pill was well, like an, it was a narcotic, I guess, or something like that, right? It was, yeah, yeah. it was a bar, bar bitch, but or something that uh, it reminded me of um, the uh, Faulkner story, Rose for Emily, where uh, she has gone and bought rat poison, poison to kill her lover, but the pharmacist thinks she's going to commit suicide and writes four rats on it because he's going to let her go commit suicide. Uh, that I think his friend thought these pills were around because she wasn't healed from her grief and you know she was still suicidal and those were her backup plan if she didn't get over the grief through this new movement she was part of but they were actually there to kill them mm-hmm. well, i assume i put i thought that's what i was putting together there yeah 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 i you know there was there was that time when he brings in his friend whom i got the impression was a doctor and that's why he was saying can you identify this pill or maybe a pharmacist or something and there's another time when he's um administering first aid to sadie after she'd hit her head um i forget this particular friend's name but um you know i think that he was trusting him that he's a doctor but they all just act like it's it's hey it's just la and people are just you know a little bit goofy here and 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 that it's all in will's head yeah and then in that particular instance it goes even beyond that i mean the last thing will says to his friend i don't remember which one it was but he's like hey man you know let's keep this between us it's just the The dude walks right out and then just says right to hey he thinks you're gonna drug us or or he thinks you're addicted (laughs) or whatever he says 
but I, who would do that? You know, like, golly, that would just be. I mean, is that the is that the way? You know, life really works. Do I just have really good friends in my life who would never do something like that, or are people really that, you know, just crappy? <laughs> you know, I just thought that was awful. I just thought it was. I thought awful. this was a. Uh, overall, this seemed like a group of pretty crappy people. Right, <laughs> and, it, and it and it might have just been the you know pun- punching the Hollywood Hills cliches or whatever, but. Uh, they weren't very likable, and uh, when they start the sort of partying later on, the scene that Philip said he hated, uh, I don't think anyone comes out of that as very likable. Other at, at some point, I don't even think the girlfriend is very likable. I, I think I really only like our protagonist by the end of the movie. Well, there was the one, the one friend. I think her name was Claire, the one with the blonde hair that feels un- also feels uncomfortable and gets out of there. You are exactly right. I, I'll exclude her. She she, she, she seemed normal. Yeah, yeah. and I, I and she had tenure, so she's a professor. I didn't really feel that way about Kara either. It, it seemed like she was trying to go above and beyond to make Will to let Will know, hey, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay that I'm here. This isn't. I'm not against this. Because I could imagine a lot of new girlfriends being completely against that idea. Couldn't you? I mean, yeah. how how yeah. many new girlfriends? Want to go back to the home of an ex-wife in order to have dinner at a place uh, where you know all of his former memories of life with this other woman were? Not not too many women are going to be down for that. So it seems like she was at least trying. But yeah, well, for most of the film, I liked her fine. But uh, what I'm particularly thinking of is when he has his you know moment where he knocks the drinks out of his hand. Uh, she just doesn't seem very supportive after that, despite knowing just the depth of the grief he has to be going through being back in this house. Uh, she, uh, there's the way she looks at him seems to be like, you know, almost embarrassed about him instead of, you know, sad for him. Uh, I don't know. That may again, just be me. Uh, the rest of the characters are pretty despicable. Well, yeah, it's just, so let's get to the, to the scene then. Cause, um, what the true intentions of the night finally become to, become reality they, they, it becomes very clear what they want to do they sit him down and they start talking about um the invitation something that they were a part of was it mexico is that right is that where yeah, they went yeah like, okay mm-hmm. and um you know it's a way of life it's a philosophy it's what what is it it's a religion it's it's a spiritual movement whatever you want to call it of course ultimately we would say it's a cult um, but David and Eden are 100% convinced of it, and we then find out Sadie is uh, totally into this, as is Pruitt, uh, who has shown up. And so they want to show everyone a video of uh, kind of what they've experienced. And, uh, you know, and I did like this. I did like that the guests, you know, the friends were repulsed by the whole idea. Not They don't even know what the content is yet. It's just, oh, come on, man. This is going to be one of these things where you're trying to sell us on something. You're, you know, It's like a multi-level marketing campaign or something. Well, you get the feeling it happens to them all the time. <laughs> they get invited <laughs> to a party and someone's trying to get them involved in a pyramid scheme or some cult. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's Saturday again. Yeah, and nobody, so that was very believable, I thought. Nobody wants to go to a party and have to, and it happens all the time. But when they watch the video, what they see is uh, a person who is uh, passing away, so supposedly because of cancer, and we watch them take their last breath and and die, which leaves the group um, rather disturbed and confused and really don't want anything to do with this. At one point, somebody says, well, what are you thinking? Why would you even show us this? You know, this this doesn't this doesn't make any sense. And of course... They begin. They begin to try to explain why this is so important, and that it's. I think Sadie calls it beautiful or something like that, and, and begins to show their side of it. Um, but the whole the whole atmosphere is one of. We're not really interested in this. Uh, this. This is not who we are, and let's just get back to the partying or whatever it is that we're here for. We don't. We don't want any part of it. So, what did you all think? Uh, about the video, about the approach, um, about that scene where they watch the video. Is it? Was, was it? Well, 
it's it's hor- it's horrifying you know the first thought i thought of was like you know this is it's pornographic almost it, it's it's a snuff film it's a film to watch watching someone die a stranger actually die now i've you know i've as a pastor for 20 years i've seen plenty of of dead folk and i've been at the de- at the bedside of many people who'd been dying and uh you know the idea that someone's filming this and then showing it in a party at a dinner party uh is is a little obscene and people were the the characters to their bent to their credit were were i think very offended would you agree absolutely i would i, yeah, would agree. I, th- I think their reactions was you know, was completely human and you know uh, natural. That 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 was uh, that they recognize this is not a good thing for someone to have done to them. For for all that I don't care for these people in their general everyday interactions. I mean, I think basically I'm just seeing them as very shallow. But there's a part yeah. of the place where they actually did react and with in a way that had some depth. They recognized this was not a normal thing to be doing. Exactly. Like, this wasn't cool. Yeah. So as they continue to talk about it, um, i got to say, Prudy and Sa- Pruitt and Sadie are obviously uh, impacted by this as well. And is it at this point that Claire ends up leaving Leaving or no? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's at this point. It's soon to this point. I don't, I don't remember if it's... Because then they start to play a game, and I, I she leaves. They're playing the game where you know, it's basically truth or dare, or whatever, and mm-hmm. uh, they're starting. You know, there's drugs and sex talk, and and she's like, "This is just not a party for me." Uh, and once again, as if hey, I've been at parties that have went went bad like this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get out of here because I'm not comfortable with this kind of party. Uh, and she takes off. Then one thing that I want to interject right here is at this point in the movie. I begin to think I'm a pastor, um, person of faith. It's what I do with my life, and I began to notice and to begin to think about how close, how how many similarities there are between what I'm watching on this screen, and and in some ways the, it's just just the horror of what they are trying to do and, and what they are seeing on this video. But in a lot of ways, the similarities between what I'm watching. And what we espouse our people do every Sunday, what we what we urge our folks to do every Sunday, which is to be evangelistic, to go and to, mm-hmm, get, into, sure. and to get into people's homes and to talk to them about where there is true joy and true life and how that's possible. And um, what's re- what really is interesting is that um, the Billy Graham crusade, the Billy Graham, um, you know, evangelistic. Uh, crusade they over the last couple of years uh, this is the model they've been using they have been urging churches to get church members to go out to collect five six seven eight people bring them in for a dinner and then during the dinner to show a video that is ultimately of Billy Graham um, giving about a 20 minute explanation of the gospel and and life and so I'm watching this and I'm thinking this this video isn't Billy Graham it's of a person dying but the idea behind both of these things is essentially the same, which is to win people to your particular cause. And I just wonder if if there isn't a little bit of um, kind of pulling back uh, the, the, that layer on Christianity or any religion who sees the need to uh, evangelize. And, and saying, look, you know, here this is a cult. This is the line that is crossed. But what is that line? And how do we know when something moves from making people uncomfortable and it isn't right to doing what really is in their best interest? Um, so I don't know if you guys thought about that at all, but I found that to be interesting. Well, I yeah, I'm with you there. I, I thought that, it you know, in a way, it's understandable that David and Eden are – they believe they found something, you know, if you want to, you know, they believe they found something that really helped them because she was in the kitchen in an earlier scene. She was telling Will, you know, pain is optional and I've learned how to get rid of all these negative emotions. He doesn't buy it. He doesn't mm-hmm. believe that he thinks she's probably medicated and 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 she she seems very fragile in, in 
you know, she's because at one moment she she's talking about how pain's not optional, and she's smiling. Then she flips her lid and slaps the, an, a friend for a, a remark that he made. And um, so Will's not buying it. But if 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 uh, if you believe you have found something that is uh, the answer to life's hurt, sure you want to share it with your friends. Um, you know whether that's a philosophy or yoga or um, you know a, a, you know Doctor Phil or a religion, you you want to share that with somebody. So I understood that impulse. I mean, to me that seemed that didn't seem strange. What seemed strange was was the con actual content of what they were what they were talking about and what they were getting to. That just seemed off. But but the 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 impulse to share what they found I found to be authentic. Yeah, it's it seems off to to us, but this is to me this is a, a very relative kind of thing because to David mm-hmm. and Eden and to Sadie and to Pruitt, there's nothing off about it at all. As a matter of fact, I even got the impression that they were somewhat surprised by the party, the group's reaction, that they were so taken taken aback by it. And at one point, David even says, "Gosh, this is not what this is not what we thought you all would think. This is not what we intended," and you almost at that point, feel like he's really trying to reach out with something that mm-hmm. he thinks is going to be um, is going to be life changing. At this point, obviously, nobody is aware that what they want to do is kill them, <laughs> which <laughs> we're pretty sure no one's going to go for that. Uh, but you know, they they misunderstood the video from their perspective, um, and there's going to be plenty of people who I could talk to about the gospel who's going to have just as violent of a reaction to that as this group did to seeing someone pass away in a video uh, let me interrupt really quickly just to put this out there i, I, I don't know that i agree that i think this is true uh, but we're going to, need to talk about the lantern here in a little bit um, but knowing that this thing is bigger than this house mm. and seeing the names of some of these characters we have a david we have eden right do you mm. think there is is, is this film uh a metaphor about faith and evangelism and uh, do, did you see a, enough sort of recognition of theological principles that you would think that maybe this film was about religion well what, or is or, or are we I'm not saying you're reading into it or is this just uh, little elements that are revealing yourself revealing themselves well perhaps but that's the beauty of of film is it's going to it's going to and literature in general right person differently but in my in my note that I'm looking right now here at the very top the heading is evangelism I have that in all bold um, type so that's what I took from this movie with this is a movie critiquing the very notion of evangelism because we all do it to one degree or another for me it's it's religion and faith Christianity but all of us um, want to persuade other people uh, as to why we're right and why this is what they need to believe. Politics, right now, in the American political climate, we all are very aware <laughs> that everybody is evangelizing to some degree or another as to why Trump is an idiot or why he's going to save America. And, and I think it even crosses the faith divide a little bit. But I, I, I felt some punches. I mean, I felt like uh, I'd love to get the director, Karen. And this is a female director, isn't it? Karen mm-hmm. it is. Uh, Kusama. Which is just really neat. I'd love, I'd love to know if they were um, making a critique on uh, religion in general uh, and the idea of evangelism. Again, it's very easy to, at the end of the day, say this is a cult. They're trying to kill people. It's wrong. The movie ends there, and it ends as a horror movie, and we can all shake our heads. But I think, I think it's saying something. At one point, they start talking about that this transcends us transcendent theology is huge in Christianity that we have a God who is both transcendent and imminent uh, that he is over us but he is also with us very similar language to what they were describing here this is above us and yet it's with us because this relieves our grief and it takes us to a place where we can be reunited have you ever been to a Christian funeral that did not talk about being reunited with loved ones where there's no more tears there's no more weeping there's no more pain there's no more suffering I mean, I think to overlook those things would be pretty silly as to what this movie is is ultimately trying to say. Yeah, their their language is not at all different from the language you just used there, uh, certainly. And then, so let's. I think we're actually to the point we're getting 
ready to have the the uh, the first death here. You know, they go to have dinner, uh, but right before that, Will witnesses. I've forgotten his name already. Uh, the husband, David, 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 go to the back, go to the backyard, and light a red lantern. Right, and mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems a, a non sequitur at the time, but it's going to get tied in later. Yes. Yeah, I'm, waiting, a, yeah. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to tie it in to after the, uh, the, 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 the jumping the gun to talk about the end of the movie. So, yeah. But, well, it is amazing a, in this movie how much stuff Will sees through windows. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's catching a lot of stuff through windows, and it's people apparently. Because did, didn't he like one thing? And it doesn't matter. This is thinking waiting. It just doesn't matter. But you know, David had just sent. Will just asked, "Hey, can I go see his room?" Meaning his son's former room. Mm-hmm. And they and who? Somebody looks at who? Eden looks at David, right? Do y'all remember? I, I mm-hmm. know. I, I mm-hmm. thought this was an interesting communication thing here. Mm-hmm. Eden looks at David. David shakes his head, yes. Eden then is the one who actually responds to Will and says, "Of course." Do y'all remember that? Yeah. I'm telling you that's important because <laughs> it, but, but within this within this cult, I think there's a sense of um, hierarchy that we, we could even go to another level of that with the idea of is Christianity misogynistic and all that kind of stuff. But Eden looks to Will – or I'm sorry, Eden looks to David. David shakes his head. It comes back to Eden. Then she says, of course. He goes to the bedroom. Well, if, if if David knows he just went to the bedroom, why does he choose that moment to go light a lantern that's right outside Ty's window? <laughs> you know, that bugged me a little bit. But anyway, it's not that big a deal. Unless he's wanting him to see it. Perhaps. That's interesting. Perhaps he is. Or just at that moment, he doesn't care because this is it's all coming to a head. Yeah. He's right, because if we immediately go to the scene where the deaths start. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, Pruitt comes point, and gets in. Uh, has Claire? Has Claire? Yeah, Claire's she's gone, gone by now. She's gone after the party. The party happens right before this, uh, and we know Pruitt's gone outside. We haven't told Pruitt's story yet, right? So uh, mm-hmm. Pruitt breaks down at some point near the end of the party and tells this loving story of him and his wife, which ends with him accidentally killing his wife. And, and him going to jail. And going to jail. Uh, but I think really, one of the most important parts of that story is he is forgiven, but he's forgiven by himself, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he he has absolved himself of the guilt. Uh, he hasn't you know, earned absolution or, or been handed absolution by you know, God or by you know, society or anything. He's like, yeah, but, you know, uh, that's, that's in the past. No big deal. Uh, and and everyone is I, I mean so we're, we have a murderer in our midst at this point so we're definitely at this point we're in the horror film portion of the film and that's when Claire leaves that's when Claire I'm pretty leaves. sure that's when Claire leaves I'm pretty sure and Pruitt follows her out because he's parked behind her right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Will doesn't trust the the motives of Pruitt he's trying to watch out the window again out the window. He does, but he lets her go unaccompanied. He he mm-hmm. he says, "Let me walk with you. I can walk with you." Yeah. And she says, "It's fifty feet or whatever. I'm I'm fine." Yeah. And so he relents. Um, but I, here's my little note that I wrote out: If you are paranoid, comma, you don't let the dude who just confessed to killing his wife walk out <laughs> alone with the freaked out girl. <laughs> so yeah. I I I think. Will probably should have uh, said, "No, I'm going to go with you." Well, he he, he watches. He watches the whole process, but then they end up behind the the wall outside the gate. So, you know, we have no way of knowing if he's right behind that wall, just stabbing her in the throat. Right. But I want to go back to something that Danny just said because um, I noticed this in the film as well. You said he's not he hasn't been absolved by God or something like that. And the fact of the matter is, there is no deity in this movie at all. They they are following some kind of cult, some kind of religion, and they never mention who the transcendent higher power is. 
And I found that to be fascinating because they are clearly talking about an afterlife. They are clearly talking about some kind of heaven reality where we're going to be reunited with the people that we have lost and that grief will be taken away. But there's no indication as to how that heaven reality is obtained apart from just simply dying. And uh, did either of you pick up on any kind of normal, typical faith-related um, paradigms whereby we enter into a heavenly place by faith in God or by doing good works or things like this? We can go you know, down, down the list. I didn't pick up on any of that. All I saw no, is no. you know yeah. Well, I mean, no, I don't think it's so. A, it's the methodology that by killing yourself in in grief, you end up with the. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it it seems like that's the only methodology we get. Uh, they're mm-hmm. here to commit mass suicide in their grief, and that is going to, you know, send them on. The woman puts herself out of her misery in the video, and that's going to send her on. Right? Uh, I think it is important that I don't think. I see any particularly Christian or Jewish or, and I may have missed stuff because I don't have the background you guys have. It seems that if this is about religion, it's about religion kind of generically. All religions that have this, uh, the, you know, a story of the afterlife or the concept of an afterlife. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that makes it more, a- more palatable, right? That, it, right. It, it, it's definitely more palatable to hear people talk about religion generically than to attack your particular faith. I I didn't feel I didn't feel attacked. What, what I felt like was this was a critique on faith, mm-hmm. you know, in general, and 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 so I felt it. It made me. I mean, it it felt very sad. I think the whole thing. I didn't feel like it was a hostile movie, you know, like I was being attacked. Right. I uh, actually should have mm-hmm. said addressed because mm-hmm. yeah. people. When people address our particular faith, we often take it as an attack. Sure, sure, so sure. Not more generic. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I, I saw it in some ways as just the opposite. I, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, this is exactly right. This is the way we should not be doing this. <laughs> you know, we, we need to have um, a certain kind of, of respect for people and be able to engage in conversations without making them feel like they mm-hmm. are in a place where they don't want to be and yeah. they just want to get out and they have to ask for a, you know two bars of coke or something in order to feel <laughs> re- relieve themselves of, of the awkwardness and I, po- um, I apologize for the pun but are you saying that we need to have a certain amount of respect for a free will will our main character mm-hmm. I mean, if we can't really we can't really escape the fact that this is will and Eden I don't think of course Eden does actually tie it to uh, particularly Christianity, so that might counter my other point. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I could go down and I could say, here are some things that are probably, uh, you know, a little bit more particular to both Christianity and Judaism than uh, Buddhism, who doesn't have a deity figure either, or, um, you know, Islam, so on and so forth. But nevertheless, I think the point stands, it's not a movie about Christianity per se, as it is about religion about faith as a a matter of fact at one point david actually makes the comment um that this isn't some sort of kooky religion you remember him saying that right i don't i don't he doesn't say the word kooky because that's a scooby-doo word but he says something (laughs) like that and he actually makes a diff he brings up science in there and there's a little bit of you know that science versus religion in here it's a it's a very anyway i just found their faith system to be interesting because there was no specific object of their faith apart from death itself. Well, well the, there, there was a prophet or what did they call him? They, they, they had a, they did have a charismatic leader that is, you know, common in cults. Uh, at least that's the cliche. I can't remember. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly true, but that, but even, even like a Jim Jones and so forth, uh, there's you there's still typically a, a power a higher power mm-hmm. a deity beyond that person he's, certainly he's just the prophet that leads them right. to um, the the higher order and I, I it wasn't clear what that was uh, yes, but and and in anyway. that way it could be anything it could be everything yeah, actually I'm I think Phil's got me completely convinced that that the main theme here is the dangers of evangelism. 
of sort of forcing your worldview on a captive audience. Um, I, and I do think it works as a as a remonstration of, of you know, evangelism, that we need to be careful when we're out there speaking about our faith that we are not uh, sort of forcing the concept onto people. And I think it could be faith in the broad sense, um, you know, even because everybody has sort of a um, a gospel that they want right. to share. It may not be it may not be a you know Christianity or or religion. It could be a political ideology or something too. A, a cause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the movie, Will says something. That was for me the best line of the movie by far. Uh, I actually paused it. I actually paused the movie when he said this because I, I rewound it. I just wanted to make absolutely uh, sure this is what he said. So at this point, um, all, all hell literally is breaking loose. Um, they, we realize they're trying to poison the guests. One poor lady uh, drank the wine before Will could knock it out of their hands, and she ends up dying. Um, and it's at that point, I don't want to lose where I was going, but it's at that point that Sadie says, you ruined it, remember? Mm-hmm. You, you ruined it, and she attacks Will. Um, what? Uh, in the way I interpreted that is you, is you ruined the beauty of it. You, right, you, this ruined, was, you this, ruined the moment. This was supposed to be a beautiful thing. We all die once peacefully. Yeah, and, and, and you ruin it. And then Pruitt... It, it appears – I don't think any of us were – were. I, I wasn't tricked by this. Pruitt seems to be calling, calming down David. Give me the gun, man. we got to calm down. And then he turns right around and, and shoots someone with the gun. Were either of you um, – you know, did, did either of you think that Pruitt was actually trying to stop the killing at that point? No, he's, he's the killer, right? He's the one mm-hmm. we've already established is the killer. He was going to do what what he thought needed to be done that David wasn't going to be able to. Yeah. So everybody scatters. There's 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 pandemonium. And at one point, Will and what's her name? Is it Kira? 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 Mm-hmm. Will and Kira are are hiding. Um, they're, you know, it's there's a struggle. They're kind of out. They don't have weapons and whatever. And and Will turns to her, and he says this. He says, they're just people. That was an amazing line. Do you all remember him saying mm-hmm. that? Yeah, sure. This is after they've they've been chased a bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just – I loved that line <laughs> because it, it just grounds the whole movie back in you and I have been in these – Awkward party situation. This is just, this is just a movie about reality. This isn't Michael Myers. This isn't Jason right. Voorhees. This isn't Freddy Krueger. They don't have superhuman strength. They, they they don't have magical powers. They're just people, and they're they're no better than us. And we we can do this. I thought it was a brilliant. Whoever is just a great line. I've never heard that s- spoken like that. In any other horror movie, where it's still just people against people, you know, you almost always get the sense that somehow the the antagonist is stronger than the protagonist in horror films. That's what makes it so terrifying. But he reminds us, no, we're 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 on equal ground here, and we can do this. Yeah, it's the, I, I uh, the it. opposite of the feeling we get from those home invasion movies we talked about last episode. Mm-hmm. Is that that the, 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 I, I always feel like there are a lot of opportunities for those victims to rise up and take out the but we've imbued them with power he's saying they don't have power right they're just like us that's right yeah and and i think it's equally important and powerful because there's this weird aura of this cult-like death releasing you know sphere of spirituality or whatever and he's, he just brings it back to, man, we're still here. We're alive. They're just human beings, flesh and blood. Um, we can get out of this. I thought that was a great line. Yeah. I also like the fact that the fights looked real. Um, 
these were not MMA fighters. You know, the, the, the director, at this point, I feel like when all the tension really came and we were scared, it would have been real easy to cue the, 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 the massive score and we get these really awesome slow motion, like, you know, super cool fights. But they were just bumbling around. They, they, they didn't really know how to fight each other. And ultimately, I think David ends up dying by kind of just falling on his knife. You know, there wasn't any real massive, big, huge eyes with this slow motion knife into his chest or anything. It, it, it just kind of happened, and he had a knife in his chest. Now, granted, Eden shooting herself was definitely dramatic, but did, did, y'all know what I mean? The, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the struggle seemed real to me, and yeah, I appreciated that. Yeah, no disagreement at all. It, did, it had a very grounded feel, and I did like the fact that, you know, in tackling him and taking him to the ground it almost accidentally stabbed david right uh, mm-hmm. which keeps which keeps uh you know another character that's was that tommy that took david down i don't remember his yeah, name it was somebody it was one yeah. of the yeah. friends yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, tackles it, him. It, it keeps them from being like these guys that are the killers right he 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 killed the guy, but it was not. It was just in a sort of natural self defense and, and grief, because I think it was wasn't it his right. partner that had been shot or one of the right, right. His, his boyfriend that was mm-hmm. the first mm-hmm. one killed or earliest one, the one's first one shot. Mm-hmm. So the shooting of um, Will. Let's chat about that for just a minute. They come face-to-face with Eden. She has a gun. Um, It seems like she's a little bit reticent, but she does end up pointing and firing, shooting Will in the upper shoulder area. Uh, He goes down, of course. Uh, But here's, here's my two questions for you. Number one, did she think she had killed him? And number two, who shoots themselves in the stomach? I know that was brutal. That, that was brutal. Was brutal, man, because you don't you don't immediately die, obviously, and she didn't. You know, that's a mm-hmm. that's a slow, painful death. Um, that one's a little bit more rhetorical. But, but <laughs> if, she, if she is really shooting him, which she did, you know, did, does she know she missed? And if she knows she misses, does she not finish the job because she ought to? In the three seconds between when she shoots him. And she notices she misses, she changes her mind, or does she really think she killed him? I, I, I don't think she thought she killed him. So why did she shoot him in the first place if she wasn't going to finish the job? I, I don't know have, the answer. I, sorry, I have not paid enough attention to that scene to know the answer to that question. Um, the um, But, I mean, there's justification in her mind for the reason she shot at him in the first place. And I don't know where that justification would have gone in three seconds, right, if she did know. That's what I'm saying. And why didn't she shoot Kira? Mm -hmm. So there's just some weird thought processing going on there. Well, and she's – you remember she was having some remorse. She seems clearly medicated, and uh, David came to her. He had to kind of – steal her nerves because she was saying oh this is so wrong this is wrong um so what's going through her mind i think she's just kind of she's on the she's on the verge of sanity yeah i agree and at the end of the film she seems to have that you know moment of clarity where she mm-hmm. shake shakes the brainwashing and and you know confronts her grief uh when asked uh, asked him to take her outside mm-hmm. yeah and, and he does, and they go outside. Uh, it's at this point that whoever the guy's name was, Tommy, will say, uh, he actually wants to go back inside and get his boyfriend or his husband or whatever it was, right? And right, I, I thought yeah. That was, I thought that was a special moment, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of one of those things, uh, you know, almost like a... Uh, I, think, I think people still do this, but whenever you watch movies that are set in the Middle Ages... Uh, when someone dies on the battlefield, um, after the battle is over, the armies will let them come collect their dead so that they can bring them back in order to be with you know, their, their own family and with their own friends so they can bury their own dead and those kinds of things. And, um, it, it, it was just a very moving moment. Right, and it's, it, it's counter to the horror film trope where you know the, the, 
at the end of the movie, the bodies are just props, basically. Yeah. Uh, there's some weight here. You know, this this is a, a real person who has died, and he deserves, you know, to you know to be brought out of this crazy house and you know and and you know with his loved one. Yeah. Very good, and, and then and then the lanterns. And then the lantern. So, so Danny, man, it, it's all you, dude. Mm-hmm. Take, all right, take so, it over. So, uh, we got Kira and Will. There, uh, you know, this after he's, you know, Eden has told him that she still misses her son and then passed away. Uh, Kira and Will are at the edge of the yard, looking out over. I, I believe this is the Hollywood Hills, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the red lanterns are outside of almost every home. There are helicopters flying over. You can hear police sirens. It is like the first scene of a zombie apocalypse, right? <laughs> where mm-hmm. where the people finally realize that it's not just their little area that has zombies; it's the whole city. Um, and, and and that's the moment we end on with this, you know, realization that this wasn't an isolated incident; that it's going on all over at least that section of the city. Yeah, and, and presumably further than that, right? Exactly. Uh, there's no there's no reason to believe this is just a, a, a Hollywood or Southern California. Right. This could be going on at the same time around the world and gradually you start to hear the sirens and, and uh, you know the police cars and, and emergency vehicles and it's I thought a chilling moment. I did too and I think it takes the the most horrific imagery of a Jonestown, let's say, the, those um those awful, awful. I mean, you all have seen the photos, right? Even though we don't go looking for them, it's mm-hmm. hard to miss them. Uh, of those, just after they drank the Kool Aid, and just that horrific photo. It, it takes that to the next level of thinking. Well, it's not just on a on a ranch somewhere, but around the world. Or, or even if you just want to say in in a, an entire city, this is going to be spread. You know, this this mass death is just is just spread. It was just unbelievably moving and haunting. It reminded me a little bit of, except much, much more, much more better, uh, much more well done. It reminded me a little bit of The Purge, because mm. at, at The Purge, you just have chaos going all over the city. And then there was that moment at the end when, you know, The Purge was over and it kind of stopped. But all the chaos, you, you can't undo what's been done. You know, it's all there. This was so much better, well thought out in terms of the motives behind what's happening. Um, but it's happening all over the place. Uh, and that, I think, again, goes back to um, what I was saying a little bit earlier about the nature of faith and religion, because I'm going to speak from Christianity, because that's what I know, is we have something called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is when Christ says, go make disciples, and this is a key phrase here as it relates to this, of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son. So it's not good enough just to go in your own home or in your backyard. We we are called to go to, to the world. And uh, so there's lanterns all over the place. Yeah, I, I could also yeah. talk about the city on the hill and, and don't put out your light, but that that I think would be a stretch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I think it's a commentary on the on the danger of, of faith in general, you know, blind belief. So what did you take take it, Danny? I mean, you, you described it well, but what did you walk away with that? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much there with you, but I, I think until we've had this conversation tonight, I, would, I was maybe a little bit focused on it being specifically about um, sort of the rising tide of uh, fundamentalism in America mm-hmm. with Christianity. And, and I do believe that maybe it is more generic than that after this discussion, uh, but I was, you know, Paying attention to the city on the hill and the lantern, and mm-hmm. and you know, l- you know, letting your light shine, and uh, I-, I was tying that you know, pretty directly to uh, Christianity, and you know, obviously this uh, this division we have now in the country. Uh, Oh, this I don't even need to finish that sentence, right? This division we have in the country uh, was maybe what was making that jump out at me. Uh, again, after this discussion, I, 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 I'm really sold on the idea that this is more about evangelism uh, 
in all fields, you know, not necessarily about pushing ideals on people, about not giving giving people their own free will. Uh, but I mean, again, there were a lot of religious names. There are lanterns. We are up on the in the Hollywood Hills. Uh, the, there was enough of it that. I think you could make a case that this specifically addressed Christianity, uh, but probably it's not the strongest case. One final thought that I'll throw out there is there's at one point in the in the movie, and this is kind of going back into the middle of the film now, um, where whether intentional or not, I think it probably wasn't, um, the, the, the filmmakers do a little flip-flop, and they end up demonstrating how one aspect – of Christianity is dramatically and fundamentally different than what is being experienced by this invitation cult. And that is when Will stands up in so, so, in such a moving way, so beautifully expresses how his grief for his son is a part of who he is. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he said, I, I can't just separate myself from it. I don't want to separate myself from it. I don't want to forget this is part of who I am. And that is a very Christian doctrine, um, that our sufferings, that our brokenness, um, that the cross that we carry is fundamental to who we are uh, as, as Christians, and that the call of Christianity is a call in some ways to die to self uh, and to live to others, and that that brokenness and suffering is going to be uh, a part of that. We don't seek... To become better by removing the things that are difficult in our lives. Uh, in, in fact, it's, it's just the opposite. And so in that way, there was almost a commentary that was demonstrating how that aspect of the Christian faith is above and beyond and better than what this cult is trying to do, which is let's just get as far away from it as possible. And what's the easiest way to do that? Let's just die, and that way we don't have to deal with the struggle. Um, this is one of the reasons why, you know, coming back to bioethics, Scott, this is mm-hmm. one of the things that comes up whenever we do discuss euthanasia, which is uh, the scriptures do not provide for us an outlet of our grief because we should not see necessarily grief as something to just be avoided at all costs. Yeah, or or suffering is is, is the ultimate evil either. Right, mm-hmm. and, it, and mm-hmm. I think for most it's seen as that. So I appreciated mm-hmm. that aspect of. I think that's a really strong pull, Phil. I, I'm going to have to think about that, but but I, I mean, I, yeah, and I'd forgotten about that scene entirely. But I think that is, I think that's probably a really important part of the movie. Now that I think about it. Well, that was fun. We hope you've enjoyed hanging out with us as we've talked about The Invitation. Uh, Be sure to check out the website for movie reviews. Uh, We have some new content on there. And uh, until the next podcast, my name's Philip, and we got Scott and Danny saying uh, goodbye, so long, stay scared, and we will talk to you soon.